0: How is everybody doing? This is the From the Rumble Seat Podcast. It is week four, as we have just defeated Vanderbilt at home on Saturday, and now it's a short turnaround as Clemson comes to Bobby Dodd on Thursday night. I am once again with Kiefer. How you doing, Kiefer?
1: Uh, things are moving quick this week, so that's
0: good. Yep. And Joey. Joey, you feeling all right after that workout?
2: Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, we'll see how walking goes tomorrow, but... Just trying to make it through this short week.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's already so quick. Tuesday night, we're less than 48 hours away already. So, um, let's start out as usual just to talk about the game on Saturday, and uh, I think the discussions will be a lot better than in previous weeks with Boston College and Mercer, as it was a pretty satisfying win uh, all the way through. Um, defense, you know, we'll get into it a little bit, but – for the most part, I mean, seven points, is you can't be mad about it, but uh, there's still some things I think we'd both like to see. So we'll start out with you, Kiefer. Uh, we'll, we'll start out on defense. What do you think on defense? Again, we talked about wanting to see more aggression, and I, I do think we saw a few more blitzes, but also over the middle coverage was a bit of a, bit of a concern for me. So uh, what would you see on Saturday?
1: Yeah, I definitely agree about over-the-middle coverage being a problem. But I will say, uh, Vandy was running a lot of picks in that area, and they got away with at least one big one uh, that I wrote about in my article this week where the Vanderbilt tight end came over the middle and pretty much just blocked Brant Mitchell while the uh, wide receiver went on a crosser the other way. Um, that was really frustrating to me. But other than that, defense was was all right. The, the line, I thought, got a little bit better at getting pressure and ended up getting a sack. Still a lot to be desired there especially against better opponents but it, it was it was all right considering the results of the game. Uh, the secondary was still pretty soft and had some tackling issues at times and had that one breakdown that led to a touchdown where step Durham went into in, you know outside leverage and there was nobody on the inside so that was just a touchdown. so overall, I was pleased that they improved. But there's a lot more work to be done, and that they they even let that Vanderbilt quarterback get out of the pocket a couple times running. That's not going to work this week. Not against Deshaun Watson. So I'm looking for – I talked about aggression last week. There still needs to be a little bit more aggression, but there also needs to be containment this week. So that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that
0: first drive had me really worried, you know, the touchdown drive, just because it was – I want to say at least two or three third down conversions seemed to go right up the middle, uh, just wide open, and then the, the touchdown was just incredibly easy. And I, you know, I commented in our Slack group was just like uh, that that didn't look good at all. And then they didn't give up another point for the rest of the game. So kind of like weeks one and two, where you, it didn't look fantastic, but they're containing points, and uh, that's what Paul Jonathan said after the game. He was like, it, you know, it doesn't look great. He still didn't seem very satisfied, but. At the end of the day, what matters is how many points they put on the board, and it was only seven. Uh, anything to add defensively, Joey, that you saw?
2: So the thing about the first drive in particular, I mean, so that was where Vanderbilt scored a touchdown on their opening drive, and then they, they didn't score the rest of the game. And as, as concerning as it was to watch them just march down the field, I mean, 11 plays, 75 yards, they only had to convert, I think, three third downs, and one of them was went for a touchdown. Um, but the thing was that on those 11 plays, seven of them were passes. And to me, as I was watching this, I was thinking, I mean, this doesn't look good for now, but if you're making them go, you know, 65% passes for this game, the defense is going to have a feast because, I mean, these guys do not throw the ball very well at all. Uh, and so that was kind of encouraging to me. From there on out, I mean, it, it it's hard to say kind of where they went from there. It might have been a little more balanced, but... Ultimately, Vanderbilt couldn't really hold onto the ball. They, I mean, they were four for thirteen on third down, which is also a really encouraging sign. Um, defensively, yeah, I thought it was okay. Um, I, it's kind of what I thought going into the week as well. Was I mean, when Georgia Tech decides that they're going to stop a, the run, they can do it, um, and so to force a team to pass, they can do that the problem becomes that it's, it's way simpler to do that against teams like Boston college and Vanderbilt than it is to do it against teams like Clemson and North Carolina and Miami and things like this. So, uh, a good sign there, but I'm not ready to just totally sign off on the defense and say, yes, this is a, a good, successful, effective unit. Uh, I, I still need to see some more from them here in the coming weeks to to say that for sure.
0: Yeah. And the run defense has been encouraging for sure. Just, you know. Other than you know the the long run against Boston College, it's been really solid in the front seven. The linebackers especially seem to really be filling the gaps. Mitchell's looked awesome in run defense, so that's that's been encouraging. But yeah, the the teams they faced has there hasn't been any danger on the outside at receiver yet. It's been and then that's that's going to change this week with Mike Williams and, and Arteva Scott. So we'll see. You know, we're going to learn a lot on Thursday, basically. Um, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit about the offense too. And I'll just start there. It I just it, it looked great for me. And the main thing was Justin Thomas just was so in rhythm. And it's something I didn't see any last year. Well, you know maybe the first two games, but you know th- that was that was 2014. Justin Thomas just the reads the the timing of the the timing of the pitches was what impressed me the most. It was just you know perfect bringing guys in right at the last second pitching it. The one that stood out was, I think it was Clinton Lynch on the right side. He just, just timed it beautifully and that was his long run. So that was great. And and then also just getting up field too and running when he, he fakes the pitch, had some of those beautiful fake pitches where he, he tricks them. So Thomas just looked awesome and that's really what I came out thinking and some of the running backs were good too. So uh, Joey, you can start here on what you thought you saw from the offense on Saturday
2: it definitely looked good to me especially getting into the second half um part of me worries that what we see is like really good timing and such was really just Vanderbilt's defense playing it poorly Uh, but ultimately I mean that's what you got to rely on with this offense is when they when they make a mistake and when they play it poorly I mean you got to take advantage so um there was there was a little bit of a drought you know tech starts the game obviously big play to Marcus Marshall love to see that. there is not a prettier sight to me on this offense than Marcus Marshall in the open field running around.
0: Yeah, yep. I wish we could see him more often. That did. is beautiful. And he barely played after that touchdown too, which was interesting.
2: Yeah, you could tell that was like a design, like let's let's catch him napping on the first play, and I'm, I'm all about.
0: Yeah, J- you know. Johnson said that was certain, like 100 the plan to run that, and he thought they could score. Yeah, on it.
2: yeah. Um, so they they come out and they do that second drive, eight plays, 64 yards. Then they had three straight drives where they punted across those three drives a total of only 13 plays. Uh, but from there, it was 11 plays field goal, 10 plays touchdown, 5 plays touchdown, 3 plays touchdown. I mean, that was where the thing really kind of caught fire. And and seeing it get in rhythm, I mean, I've been telling people, like, I think that that's about the best I've ever seen the offense since, at the very least, like the North Carolina game last year, if not going all the way time. back to, like, 2014. Yeah. Yep. So that was that was encouraging for me. I just I hope that it's something that can be kind of built on and and repeated here against a much tougher defense this week.
0: Yeah, I want to think that Vanderbilt has a pretty good run defense, and we saw what Zach Cunningham can do at times when he was really clogging some of the runs. But Thomas also had his number a few times, which was good to see. Uh, Kiefer, what would you see offensively? Um, maybe talk a little bit about the the offensive line. It seemed like some of the guys were getting to the second level better Uh, freddie burden was just bullying on the inside
1: yeah i thought the offensive line did a little bit better this week uh the guard play was uninspiring though i thought the tackles did a pretty good job of getting to the second level for most of the game uh, outside of a few whiffs but the guards shamir blett the number 34 the five tech for vandy's pretty good and he's pretty physical but Shamir let the guy get under him way too many times to the point where he got no push at all, and I honestly saw Will Bryan miss a few blocks outright. That was a little bit upsetting, and uh, the mesh between Justin Thomas and Dietrich Mills still needs a lot of work. Mills yes. seems to be yeah. way too grabby. He he mm. He grabbed the ball when there were a couple situations where it was an obvious pull read, and there was a guy coming right at him. You don't want the ball. He's going to destroy you. But overall, it was a very very encouraging from a blocking standpoint. Uh, I haven't seen this offense operate quite like that in a long time, and I haven't seen Justin Thomas operate with that kind of confidence with his timing like that in a long time. Far from perfect. Blocks weren't always great, and sometimes assignments were always followed, but what was also encouraging was the fact that the guys who had the ball in their hands just made plays. They just made plays. Uh, So... That's definitely encouraging, and that's something you need. If you're going to go after the better teams, not the Boston Colleges and the Merchers and the Vandys, guys with the ball in their hands are going to have to make plays because it's not going to be a perfect blocking job every time. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the the running backs, I mean, Clinton Lynch had, was really good in the open field. You know, Searcy's been awesome all season. So that was definitely good to see. And That was a good point about Mills because Johnson commented on that. Uh, somebody, I think, asked a question, you know, talking about – thomas's reads and he mentioned that some of that was probably on mills just grabbing the ball like you said so hopefully that gets a little better i I wish we saw i mean mills has been great but marshall uh, he he makes that long touchdown catch and then I, i don't remember how many plays they said but it wasn't many until like the fourth quarter if any at all so i would like to say a little more marshall because he really is explosive and can make some plays and i'm not sure about mills effectiveness against a really tough defensive line like Clemson. Uh, I mean, to get some yards, but I just don't know how if he can be make any big plays. So I would like to see a little more Marcus Marshall and hopefully that the mesh there will get better. I know Johnson was concerned about it. And then I just wanted to comment to Mikel Lance Davis. His blocks have been so good and I hope he continues to get on the field a lot because he's made just some huge blocks, like really impact blocks that you love to see. And the perimeter blocking was was pretty good uh, this time. I think a lot better than it was against Mercer as well. So we'll go ahead now and get into some questions from the commenters. And
2: I was going to throw in real yeah, quick that uh, you mentioned that that nasty crack block that Lance davis had. And I can't remember if it went for a touchdown or just a long play or what it was, but... He, uh, I think he said after the game, he was like, you know, he heard the call and he kind of found the guy he was going to hit, and it was Alexander, actually. And I think he got a little bit giddy at the thought that he was going to be able to go over and just lay one on him. So he, uh, it's, that's awesome to hear the receivers just like so pumped up about being physical on that. Like, I, I'm all about that. I know he seems like a bit of a weird fit at receiver, but I think that's a huge value to the offense if you got something like that on the outside blocking for you.
0: Yeah, and they're they're just – they're impact blocks. I mean, some of the – we've talked about them a lot because they've been huge blocks that make a huge difference. So, great to see there. And he continues to get more and more playing time. And I don't think – I didn't really expect that to happen at the start of the season. So, it's definitely good to see. And we'll start out with uh, Terrence Joe. He says, which element of the defense do you think will be most critical to our success? I think the D-line has to step up, but also the coverage in the middle of the field versus Vandy was suspect. Uh Kiefer, you can go ahead and answer that one if you want.
1: Well, my answer for these types of questions is almost always the D-line because they have to, A, contain Watson, B, pressure Watson, and C, stop the run. And that's the three of those things against Clemson's talent and Clemson's personnel back there. It's just a tall order. So I'm looking to keep them fresh, keep them rotated, and have these guys step up to not let Deshaun Watson beat you. That's going to be their task. They have to make somebody else on the Clemson offense beat them. If they do that, I'll be happy, win or lose. Yeah. And
0: and the, a big key, too, is Gallman, because it seems like when Gallman gets going for them, it, their whole offense is just so much better when he can consistently run. So, I mean, and there's so much to talk about with their offense. So stop Gallman, you know, stop Watson, Williams, Ortega Scott. It's just it's a lot of weapons. So, I really want to see if – If they can stop Gallman, maybe make them not give up on the run but not be confident in it, I think that will make a big difference with how their offense flows. Uh, Joey, what do you think about that one?
2: I kind of disagree, actually. and This is a bit of a consistent theme with me if you've ever listened to the Basketball Conference podcast or anything else, but it's like I'm not not a believer in Wayne Gallman. I I look at him and I see a guy that is – there's not any one thing that he's really spectacular at. I mean, he's not a track star. He's not going to bowl over people. He's not uh, a super, you know, shifty kind of guy. He's just kind of a solid running back. And then when you look at that and you compare it to Deshaun Watson and Mike Williams and Artavis Scott and all these other skill guys, it's like Wayne Gallman's kind of the guy that I want to make, make him beat me, you know? So I, I don't know if I had to pick one position group to make that happen. Um, Honestly, I think maybe it's the defensive line. I, I think over like what I would do for a defensive game plan for this, and I think the biggest thing that you have to emphasize with the defensive line is staying in your lanes on the rush. Uh, Watson is not by nature a very a very jumpy quarterback. He's not like he is a, a pocket passer at his core, who just happens to be able to run really well. Um, and so he's not looking to take off. And so if you don't give him A whole bunch of space to run around in. He won't do it, and so at that point, just kind of if you can sit back and play coverage, I think that that might be a way to stop Clemson. But ultimately, I I mean, then again, I'm no I'm no defensive coordinator, so this might all be a whole bunch of hubbub. And you know, I'm sure Kiefer especially could probably tell me why I'm wrong at that.
1: No, honestly, I don't think you're wrong necessarily. Uh, Personally, I am generally subscribed to a more aggressive philosophy on the defensive side of the football but I mean what you said is correct Watson doesn't run unless he feels like he has to Uh, and you can look at our our back end and say "Eh, I don't think any of these guys can really match up with Mike Williams so what are we going to do okay we're going to play zone and we're going to bracket him but the way we play zone and how passive it is it's always what worries me week in and week out. We we don't seem to man up and get after the man. We just kind of sit there and wait for the ball to be thrown. And that infuriates me. So I would be a little bit hesitant to say sit back and play coverage just cuz I know how Ted Roof does it, but the philosophy there isn't isn't incorrect.
0: Yeah, and I see what you're saying with Gallman. I think kind of my point there was that with, you know, he's not going to He's not a killer, so if he's going for eight, ten yards consistently when they do run the ball, I think it's over for the, the defense. I mean, if, if their run game is that effective. So I think if you at least stop them, it helps a little bit because when I've seen Gallman get in a the rhythm, they were. Uh, I just think of Clemson-Florida State last year when they were really, really running the ball effectively with Gallman and their offense couldn't be stopped in that game. And, yeah, you that's why – and you kind of answered the next question from uh, Jay Trouche about conservative pass rush or aggressive pass rush and which one, you know, they should go with on Thursday. And I'll always lean to aggressive because the thing with Watson is he's so good and he's he's so smart in the pocket that if you're conservative and you're giving him time, Tech defense kind of leaned on hoping when the quarterback makes a mistake. And there's a good chance Watson doesn't make that mistake. If he has a lot of time in the pocket third against zone – he can just chew us apart, and if they're going on long drives like that, I have no optimism that the team can win. So I'm leaning towards aggression. Do, do either one of you disagree there?
1: I'll never disagree with aggressive, aggressive <laughs> pass rush. <laughs> no. Nah. The only thing I worry is that I, I do
2: think highly enough of Watson as a passer that some of the very best passers, coming out of especially even coming out of college, you think of guys like Andrew Luck, and I, I, even a few years ago watching Teddy Bridgewater myself up at Louisville, are guys that are, like, remarkably effective against the Blitz. Um, as soon as you start taking guys out of coverage, they they have an easier time. There's bigger holes to fit the ball into, basically. Um, and so I think it's one of these, like, it's, it could be a very feast or famine strategy, as we saw with John Tenuta. Uh, but, I, I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't have a great way of stopping the Clemson <laughs> offense. I mean, I, I think you almost got to hope they beat themselves. Otherwise, they're going to get their points, it seems like.
0: Yeah, and that's that's the hope is beating themselves, and that's why the only way I think it's possible is if he does have, face some pressure and has to make a throw. And I, I'd prefer them score on an explosive play to Mike Williams than go 15 plays and take you know seven minutes off the clock because that's going to completely kill what Tech's trying to do. And Johnson's already really unhappy with time of possession so far this season because it's been pretty much even the last two games. I don't what was it against? Does anybody remember what it was against Boston College?
2: It was pretty even.
1: It pretty was, even. Yeah, it was pretty. It would. I think one team had thirty something, and the other had twenty nine something. And the last, it's been the
0: exact same thing the last two weeks. So, it's not usual, and it's because of the defense because they've been on the field so much. I mean, some really long drives. So, um, and the next question was interesting and we've kind of gotten to that too, which was, can we stop the run and make Clemson one dimensional? He says Clemson's rushing is not not totally secretly awful so far, and yeah, Joey talked about how you know, Gallman hasn't looked great. So, yeah, that's if, if they can stop the run, I mean, it definitely helps because if they don't and Gallman's effective, then I think it's about over there. Um, let's see. What are the takeaways from the Vandy game? This is Sully GT. How much did the outcome change your predictions for the season and for this week? Um, for me, for the season, I don't think it changed a whole lot based on because I already had marked that as a win. And when we talked about the records last week and I was saying how I think they can get to eight and four. So I don't think that really changed just from that game for my predictions for this week. I guess it maybe gave me a little more optimism just because the offense looked better. Um, The defense didn't do a whole lot to make me think they are, they're going to stop Clemson, but I saw enough from the offense to hope they can score with them and keep the game close. Basically, uh, either one of you, any, any changes from seeing that Vandy game to what you see for this season?
1: Not really I, I think it definitely encouraged me in that I felt more confident in you know, an 8-4 eight, eight type season, but if you look down the schedule, I don't think there's another team as guaranteed a win as Vandy was for the rest of the year, that includes George Southern so
2: Oh, I feel you know. better about Duke and Virginia than I did about Vanderbilt <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Well, oh wait, oh yeah, that is right. I forgot about those two. How how bad they've been, but for the next three games, we're we're, we're so we went three and zero, and then we've got Clemson, Miami, and then Georgia Southern. So you know we're looking at a much tougher stretch than we saw for the first three games. So I'm, you know, honestly, I think it's still around eight and four, and I feel a little bit more confident about that in terms of this week. Well, I wasn't really. I have no expectations. I was. I told myself I was not going to go in with any expectations, so <laughs> that does not change anything for me.
2: I. I think I've. I'm with you. I feel. I feel better about my preseason bet that Georgia Tech would go over their six and a half win total, uh, mostly just because again the offense and the offensive cohesion was just at a level that we haven't seen in a while. Um, so there was that, but. Ultimately, yeah. I mean, one of the things, if you listen to Paul Johnson's radio show this week, he talked about how uh, the, the best offenses that they'll play this year are still ahead of them and the best teams that they'll play this year are still ahead of them. So uh, you got to keep that in mind and keep the whole thing in perspective that it is it is Vanderbilt we're talking about. It's not, uh, this is not like a top 10 team. So meanwhile, we will have a, a top 10 team coming to, coming to town this week. So uh, careful with uh, getting on too high of a horse after that game, I think.
0: Yeah and I will say one thing with with Georgia Southern just seeing their last two games I'm not quite as worried there as I had been maybe pr- prior to the season just cuz they've been a little iffy um, but yeah still it's never very fun playing them because there's it's either you know it's kind of a lose lose situation when they come here so with Clemson though the funny thing for me is if if they do pull off this win I'm going to have I'm going to be very confident they lose to Miami. <laughs> After a win against Clemson, it's just set up to where, you know, the expectations skyrocket, and then Mark Rick comes to town and quickly closes that down. So, uh, yeah, that. but, you know, Miami, Clemson, like you said, they're both going to be tough. And then Pittsburgh, their offense looks really good. They gave a lot of points to Oklahoma State, but – Oklahoma State has a very good offense aerial attack, so it's not really what Tech will be doing, so it's hard to get a gauge off of that. So some tough games coming up. But, yeah, just going back to comment, a little more optimism just because the offense showed things that we hadn't seen so far this season. All right, let's see. Next question. Kind of already answered who we would key, on, key in on if we were Ted Roof in terms of what aspect of the offense. Uh, we'll talk, we've talked about this a little bit already. Compare the past, uh, T8 THWGA, compare the past on the Paul Johnson show. It was brought up that GT and Johnson has a good record. He says five for five when playing ranked opponents when we are unranked. And that's at home, correct, Joey? Uh,
2: yes, in home games. At the,
0: the Paul Johnson area. Can you compare those GT teams to ours today and what they did that we can emulate? Uh, either one of you want to answer that one?
2: Uh, the, So, I mean, I think about it like I've, I've been at several of those games. Like I can think back to the 2011 Clemson game, um, you know, number five undefeated Clemson, like 8-0, something like that, came in, Georgia Tech unranked, I think had lost like two in a row and beat them by two touchdowns. Um, the big thing I think just becomes taking advantage of the environment. Um, Bobby Dodd Stadium, as much crap as – as we take for the stadium size and the amount of people can fit in and all that, like that stadium can get loud. And there are, there are people that will talk about after their playing days are over. Like when that stadium is really rocking, I mean, that is, that is one of the loudest places you'll play. Um, I've never figured out why. I think it's because of the general, like acoustical nightmare that that stadium is with how it was designed. Um, But yeah, I mean, and, and Jonathan talked about it again, this, this monday on the radio show was like the, the defense really feeds off of uh off of crowd noise in particular and so i think you get some of these environments you maybe rattle the opposing team a little bit defense gets the confidence up and makes a couple plays uh but it's really hard to say i mean it's I, i'm i can't run through my mind like all the individual times that it's happened but um it it seems just like a combination of a few things really for me
0: yeah, and the the last game I can I think of in terms of just night and a great atmosphere was Miami in 2014 with that whiteout. And you're right, the the crowd. I mean, even on Saturday against Vanderbilt, that was an uninspiring turnout, I'd say. Gold out was good. People that showed up, the the gold was a good job. So some of the GT guys, goldout. yeah, some GTJ, some of the guys that have been talking a lot about that have done well getting that out there. But so that looked good, but yeah, the crowd wasn't inspiring in terms of how many people came but it was still very loud like when it was third downs and stuff early in that game when it was close it was loud so just imagine when it should be hopefully close to sold out on Thursday night and and a wide out and obviously a huge game with a with a top five team coming in so that that's a huge factor especially for the defense I think it makes a huge difference for the defense when it's a third down the crowd gets loud they play space chords and, and it gets crazy in there so that's, a, that's definitely a huge factor. Uh, Kiefer, anything to add on there in terms of you know what we've seen in the past that's made the team successful on, on night games against – or not night games, but just ranked opponents at home?
1: Yeah, well, if you look back to about the games of 2011, you go go even back further down to like 0- 08 and 09. The 2011 game in particular, well, we cashed in all of our good Algro defense in one game, so maybe we can cash in 100% of our Ted Roof good defense in one game tonight, or on Thursday night. Uh, but other than that, I think a lot of those early Paul Johnson years where we cashed in a lot of these wins against Clemson, they had a lot of high-end talent on defense, so a lot of our guys are young and we don't really know exactly where they are yet in terms of how they're going to develop into big time talents as they approach their senior year. So I think more than anything, this is going to be telling is, are these guys up to the task? Are these guys, do these guys cower when, you know, these big old Clemson offenses, offensive players come at them, or are they going to stand up and show their ability? And I'm, I'm confident they can show their ability. I'm not exactly confident we'll win, but uh, going back and looking at those early, early teams, they had some guys with some swagger and who had, who could make some plays. So that's what I'm looking for. Who's going to step up? Who's going to have that swagger and make those plays? Right, we'll see.
0: Yeah. And swagger's a good point. Uh, Kelly Quinlan in the, the press conference on Saturday told Justin that he, he looked like he had his swagger back and and I agree with that. He just looks a lot different on the field, so he's obviously the guy in offense. And then defensively, I'm, I'm looking at PJ Davis a lot. He's a guy that you know, kind of a leader in that defense that can hope can make a big play, get a big sack, or something like that. So, yeah, it's, it's there's going to have to be some big plays because you mentioned eleven. Just you know, they you think of the fake pun and stuff like that. There's always some some signature plays, and I even think of Miami with. Jamal Golden's interception and stuff like that. So turnovers are a must, basically. If, if Clemson doesn't turn the ball over, I, there's just not going to be much of a chance. Um, next question, where is it? Uh, what's a bigger game within the game from Peter and VA? And he says, our offense versus their defense, or their offense versus our defense. And he says, I'm worried about the latter myself. I think we're all in consensus that it's their offense versus our defense there any disagreements
2: I think that our offense versus their defense is noteworthy um just because they have a really good defense and a good defensive front and that's traditionally given Georgia Tech's offense at times uh problems at times but ultimately yeah I mean I I I just wonder if our defense is gonna be able to hold down their offense that's that's the the big question in my mind
0: yeah and well that leads in good to, it's uh, Goldfellow how do you think our offense will beat Clemson's defense perimeter runs question mark balance attack question mark uh, Kiefer, what do you think there What's, what do you think the go-to should be and or is there a go-to
1: if you look at how venables handled us last year uh, when he doesn't when he has big time talent and he didn't really you know respect our ability last year may not respect our ability this year he got aggressive and how we actually do scores we beat him over the top of the pass so I think the, we definitely wanna test that early and see what we can get. Because if Venables comes up and is aggressive, we gotta make him pay for that. We gotta either get him to back off so we can have the rest of our offense work or continue to beat him over the top. So I think the pass is going to be more so than, you know, a perimeter run versus a B back run. I think the pass is gonna show up huge because it's gonna be the one thing that can keep those talented Freak athletes, second guessing. That's the only way we're gonna be able to move the ball consistently.
0: Yeah, and the the pass game, I definitely agree. I think it, it's a huge key and one thing I like this year is the A backs have been really involved in the passing game. And uh Searcy has been has had a really good connection with Thomas so far. So that's something a little bit of an addition that wasn't really there last year. And Searcy, he he's probably my X factor on the offense just if he can get in the passing game and make some explosive plays. So that's where I see a, a little bit of a balance attack. I think the passing needs to be on. I think Thomas needs to be on throwing the ball because just running, I mean, it doesn't really matter to me. Perimeter inside, they're so talented that there's going to be a, need, need to be a little more than that. Uh, Joey, what do you see there offensively where they need to go to?
2: Uh, I'm there with you, Tyler. the The passing game is important, but maybe to me most important is the passing to the A-backs. Um If you, I, I don't think that the secondary for Clemson is going to have a whole ton of problems trying to stick with like Ricky June and some of them. But I think if you can use the passing game to make the linebackers hesitate a little bit, and you know, just make them think about the fact that Cersei and Clinton Lynch and guys like that might run right past him and go catch a pass. Uh, I can remember from the 2013 game, uh, Robbie Godhei catching a, a long pass down the sidelines where he, I mean, until the last second, I mean, he was gonna he was gonna cut block the linebacker and then he zips right past him and someone dropped the ball right over the top and Godhei ran down the sideline. I mean, if you can do that sort of stuff and just make the linebackers think about it, that'll have a huge effect on on the running game success. I think so the passing game for me as well but more specifically passing to the a backs and getting them involved in that
0: yep and the b back dive hopefully needs to be better than it has been and johnson said that so far defenses have really keyed in on just completely taking that away and he mentioned how that's fine that you know he can find other ways to beat you if that's what you're keying in on But I think against Clemson, you need to establish it just a little bit. I mean, even if it's just three or four yards, because I don't know the numbers from last season, but it seemed like it was just getting completely manhandled right away. So if if that's happening, it it really kills the perimeter game. Um, I'll do maybe two more questions or so here. Yellow Jacket Heritage says, can we catch Clemson looking ahead with Louisville for them next week? Can we catch them worried about them and pull the upset? Um, He mentions the GT Goldout was good, and do we need to keep spamming AJC comments with references to keep it going? And then he says, how can we ever win the full support of our media, get rid of Mark Bradley for tech stories, stop advertising the GTA UGA game as Bulldog Game Day? Some good stuff from Yellow Jacket Heritage. Uh, on the looking ahead thing, I don't see it. Not with Davo, at, at head coach, he's he's just too good, and he he won't he won't let that happen at all. I know he's keyed in on this game, and, and they know the history coming to Bobby Dodd Stadium. It's not like this is them going to Duke or something where they haven't had problems. So I don't see them looking ahead at all. They know this is huge, and just with it being a Thursday night game. I don't think there's any way any of you, either one of you, disagree there.
2: They'll have a, they'll have a couple extra days being a Thursday night game. Um, I do think it is interesting that the next two opponents that we're we're all kind of scared of being Clemson and Miami. The following week, Clemson takes on Louisville. The following week, Miami takes on Florida State. So there is potentially some look ahead factor for both of those teams. I just I don't think we're going to see it with either one.
0: Nah, more more likely maybe Miami, but not with just I mean because I've just seen how Davo you know, he, he gets into them and, and just – he's all – he's so he just talks about, you know, one game at a time so much. So he'll get into his players about that. And, and, of course, players can always look ahead without the, you know, head coach's approval. But, again, they know this is a huge game for Clemson. Um, good way to end here, and this is from GTJC. He says, be honest with us. What's your gut tell you? Is Tech going to pull this one off? Joey, what do you think?
2: My gut tells me No. Um, my gut tells me, no, I think they'll keep it close. Um, when the, when the line of, of, like originally dropped at Clemson minus 13, I was all over Georgia tech to cover 13, but, um, I, I think that it's probably like a seven ish point game, maybe so I sell, I'll think like 31, 24 or something like that. I think tech will keep it close. Um, but I, I don't know. I need the, I need them to show me something, especially after last year. Before I can really pick them to to pull the upset. That said, I would not be shocked at all if they did. I think they're they're fully capable of it, and we have seen much stranger things happen at Bobby Dodd Stadium in night games. So, uh, could happen. I am not gonna predict it though. Sorry, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Keever. My gut says have no expectations, and you'll be happier. So, right? You know. I, so that's basically a no. I I just don't. I don't feel like expecting something out of this team and we haven't, like Joey said, seen anything out of them yet, really. It's just not going to end well. So, no. I, d- I just don't see it.
0: Alright, the the listeners need something positive, so I, I probably need to say that I do see it happening. Uh, I've had weird feelings that I almost feel more confident in the Clemson game than the Miami game. I, I heard that's a noon game, and, and it's Mark Rick, and as good as Clemson is on offense, Miami has some, some just crazy speed on the outside that I'm already worried about, This, especially the screen game and stuff like that. So I'm already having nightmares about that one. So I will say maybe I feel better about Clemson, and maybe I can just go ahead and say I expect a Clemson win and then a Miami loss so I don't sound too crazy and start talking about undefeated season or something. But seriously, I think it will be a close game, and the crowd is going to be a huge factor we keep talking about it, Thursday night at Bobby Dodd Stadium. And I saw a lot on Saturday. So I'll just say I think it's going to be very close. And it's just the key is going to be that, that play – I'm just going to say on defense. Some some type of turnover, um, maybe a defensive touchdown. Something like that is what's going to need to happen for Tech to pull off a victory. To so add – I'm good. You go ahead.
1: To add to the Miami thing, they have a bye this week as well, I believe. So – that of time. One doesn't look great.
0: Yeah, it's Mark. Great. It'd be great to beat them um, with this first game with Miami, but again, they their offense can can be really scary, and just the style they're they're running already worries me with what we've seen from Tech's defense and, and their struggles. So I think that's about all we have, unless either of you have anything to add. There, we good. Yep. All good. All right. Thank you to everybody for listening on this this quick turnaround and hopefully everybody can get out on, on Thursday night and try to get to the game if you're around. It, it's going to be fun. going to be a crazy atmosphere, and we're going to learn. Next week's podcast should be fun. We're going to learn a ton about the team this week because finally we can see the team against some of the best talent in the nation, and we can really make some conclusions on, on how they look. So, Kiefer, thanks for joining me. No problem. And Joey as well.
2: Good to be back on with you guys. I'll let you know how walking goes tomorrow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you to everybody for listening, and have a good one.